0: It is the 11 Dubcast. I'm Johnny. He's Andy. It is time, finally, for Ohio State football to redeem themselves (laughs) after four ruinous losses to the Clemson Tigers to finally make this statement of a, a win that will take them to the national championship game and finally prove once and for all that Ryan Day is cool and Davos when sucks. And that's really what this entire game is about. It's not about anything else. It's just about proving how much Davos sucks and how much uh, Ryan Day does not suck. That's it. That's the only thing. So it's going to happen. And uh, Ohio State is going to win by 50. What What is your prediction for the game?
1: <laughs> Jeez. I, you that's know That's like, the entire dubcast, down, by the way. So just shut it down. Getting God, it was like throw the hard question at me right up front. i got <laughs> to build up to We'll get to like that. that. We'll get
0: to that. We'll get to <sighs> that. We'll get to that.
1: i I mean i i I hate to build this game up any more than it already is especially because i'm super nervous about this game you know yeah as much as it's possible to be in this really weird season and for a game in which i have literally nothing invested other than you know emotional attachment to one of the teams on the field you know so like put these things in perspective
0: that what sucks about it though andy like it's you, like, it's one of those situations where you really, really, really want Ohio state to win, but you oh. also really, really don't have confidence in that actually, go, it's, you know, it's being the worst
1: feeling. And, you know, like last year, I felt like Ohio state won that game and, and that there was a legitimate gripe. Most of the time, I think we whine too much about officiating. We, as, as fans, fan Everybody does, for yeah. fanatic. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mean Ohio state fans. I mean, just fans in general. Uh, no, no fan base is immune to this. We all blame the refs at some point unfairly. Uh, and, and I'm pretty bad about this. The Sunning Mrs. Vance keeps me o- honest, but you'll be watching a game and a defender makes a great play on the ball. And I'm like, Oh, pass interference. And she like, you're an idiot. It wasn't pass interference. That was just good defense. You know, like, so right. it's always nice to have an objective person, keep you, keep you honest when your team's on the field. But the the thing about this game, like, I hate to build this up any more than it already is, but I. I have, like I have learned, many Ohio State fans have this feeling about Clemson and more specifically about its head coach, uh, one one Dabo Swinney. That this really feels like the forces of good and evil going into battle. You know, like it's <laughs> it's you know, or at all, least all evil is, and is slightly righteous. more evil. <laughs> oh, I just, I mean, to to me. And it's funny, you you know, you read the comments on some of the, the chatter, we'll get into some of the, the, uh, ticky tacky comments back and forth between Dabo and, and Ryan day. And, uh, you you know, this, is it a rivalry? I think that's something we want to talk about. Is this, is this a rivalry and can it be a rivalry if you're really zero 4 uh, but the thing that, you know, really gets me going about this particular game is, is just what you said. Like, I don't have great confidence because the Buckeyes are zero and four against the Tigers more is the pity uh but I also think this team's good enough that it can absolutely beat Clemson if it gets its stuff together and and plays its best ball
0: sure yeah It's. I mean it's definitely possible I don't want to say that Ohio State's going to go there and just stink up the joint yeah yeah it's, I, I'm not
1: going in like dead man walking yeah I don't but, think but, anybody. but is. the past but the past in the series you know that 31 to 0 bit makes me you know, twitchy because you look and say, okay, is this defense good enough to not lay an egg? Uh, I I feel confident in Ohio state's offense. I think, I think aside from, you know, Justin Fields looking human in his past two outings, I I feel very confident in the offense. I'm less confident about the Buckeye secondary, I guess. And that gives me cause for concern given how good Clemson is at throwing the ball.
0: Well, and then let's talk about that a little bit. So if we're looking at this game, and and instead of kind of just freaking out and saying, oh, my God, this is a huge game, and we want to be Clemson, and is Ohio State good enough, all that stuff, and all the other things surrounding it, if you look at it from a purely football standpoint, one team playing another team, this is interesting in part because I think it defies analysis in a lot of ways because of the situation that they're in, but also in part because these are two teams that even if – you had full fledged seasons from both of them and they came into the game kind of looking as they are and whatnot. I still think that there are so many unknowns about both of these teams. I mean, you look at Clemson, right? And Clemson uh, lost a ton from last year's team. Like they lost so much, right? They lost so much on the offensive side of the ball and defensive side of the ball, you know, wide receivers still look pretty darn good for Clemson. They, you know, obviously they've got some talent there, um, but not as much as they had last season. Yeah. If you look at their offensive line, I think what they've got like four new starters, they had four new starters this year. And at times looked like that defensively, not, what they were advertised to be throughout the entire season. So there's a lot of question marks that have been had. And and yes, their most recent game is coming off of a dominant performance against a pretty good Notre Dame team. And that's great. I honestly don't know that you could definitively say which Clemson team is going to show up against Ohio State. I, yeah. I think they'll be really hyped for it. I think they're still a very, very good team. Clearly, one of the top you know, three or four teams in the country. I don't think that's up for any kind of debate. They're nope. very, very good. Yep. But I also don't know that they've been hit in the mouth like Ohio State tends to do. And you saw last year against Clemson, Ohio State come out with higher energy, a better plan. And honestly, yes, they got screwed in that game. But if they convert those field goals into touchdowns, the game's not even close at any point. So what I'm saying is, is that even though, yes, Ohio State on paper, I think if you look especially defensively, Ohio State doesn't have the numbers and the stats to really back up saying, okay, we're going to make this, you know, we're going to shut down Trevor Lawrence and all this other stuff. I, I really have to believe that there is so much that both teams have to prove that while I think Clemson should be the decided favorite in this game, I also don't know that you can say with absolute certainty, how the game is going to start. You may be able to like, say with a reasonable prediction, how it might finish. I just think Ohio state has an opportunity. Uh, to jump out. And if they can do some things offensively, especially with the running game, uh, you might see the game turn in ways that people don't expect. Um, So I'm I'm very excited to see how this plays out because if Ohio State comes out hard like they did last year, this could be a much closer game than maybe some people might think it would be.
1: Yeah, but definitely both teams have something to prove. One of the things I wonder about is if Clemson will come into the game believing its own hype. Uh, right. and, and and give Ohio State an edge in that regard because the Buckeyes know after how things uh, went against Northwestern and you know people are people are looking at the Buckeyes differently than they were say midway through the season when Justin Fields looked like a Heisman finalist mm-hmm. uh, so so definitely you you can see that I feel a lot better about the Ohio State rushing attack certainly than I did midway through the season so that gives me, you <laughs> or know,
0: midway if, through the big 10 championship game well right? yeah there's,
1: <laughs> there's something to that and so that that definitely gives me you know a fair bit of confidence because you're right Clemson's uh defense isn't what it was uh you right. know at, at the peak of its powers either and that, that's one of the things I find really interesting when you go back and pick apart the recruiting for these programs for as good as Clemson's defenses have been you know, they don't tend to recruit that, you know, like hundreds of five-star D linemen where, where you look at like Ohio State has consistently recruited that position very, very well. Uh, Alabama, obviously, you know, recruits that position very, very well. There are others in that top echelon who recruit those positions better than Clemson does. They, I don't know, just Brent Venables makes magic happen uh, with, with his defenders, but I feel like Ohio State has an advantage on both sides of the ball when it comes to line play in this game and and, you know that that could be a really important factor in deciding who takes home the marbles
0: yeah and that's what's interesting to me so one of the things I mean I was watching that first game against Notre Dame obviously really closely it had the storyline of course with you know Trevor Lawrence being out and whatnot and then you see you know (laughs) Notre Dame come out and, and put 47 points on their defense which I don't up until that point, I mean, their defense had been playing fairly well, but not maybe overwhelmingly so. I mean, they had been giving up points to some teams that you wouldn't expect them to give up points to. I mean, Boston College obviously. Boston College the fear, is the blueprint. Yeah, put the there, fear right? god in them the week before that, um, and then they come out against Notre Dame in the you know championship game and and skunk them. But I, I guess what I'm saying is is that it's it's interesting to me to see how they have played defensively against teams in the ACC mostly because I don't know, like, again, I don't know if this is just my personal bias against the ACC talking or reflective reality or not. It's not a team. it's not a conference with a ton of great running backs. Right. Does that, is that, yeah. when, do you think that would be fair to say? Yeah. Like they, they're not a team. They're not a conference with a lot of really great rushing offenses and, and maybe you know look Clemson has had one of the best rushing defenses in the country this year I don't know that it's been tested and I also believe that their defensive line while good is not as good as Ohio State's offensive line mm-hmm. that's why I really think and this is kind of I mean maybe be a theme as we talk about this if Ohio State can establish the rushing game which is something that <laughs> you know we were screaming at Ryan Day during the Big Ten Championship game to do but if Ohio State can establish the rushing game early if Trey Sermon if that wasn't just some fantastical blip right that will that can't be replicated if that's really indicative of him getting something going that will be I think a game changer in a lot of ways maybe not necessarily in terms of how the outcome of the game is because maybe Clemson still wins and and maybe that doesn't make a huge bit of a difference but I I think it will change the tenor of the game and how it's played Clemson would love a shootout where it's it's Lawrence and fields fun slinging it. And let's see who's the better, you know, cowboy six shooter quarterback. Like they would love to have a game like that. They would hate to have a game where Ryan day says, you know what? We're going to get four or five yards at a time. We're going to shorten this game considerably and we're going to try to bat a 1,000 in the red zone and see what happens with that. If, if that happens, Clemson doesn't want to play that game. They really don't because their de- defensive line gets worn down. Uh, things get worse for them as the game wears on. If Ohio State can get a lead, they might be able to sustain one. So you look at the stats. You see what Clemson has done defensively in terms of stopping the run. They've done a great job this year. One game where they did not do so hot, was against Notre Dame and that first loss. And I'm sure that Ryan Day and company will be looking to replicate that because that is something that will, I think, turn the game on its ear a little bit and and really slide things in favor of Ohio state. If that can happen, I am not, honestly, I'm a little worried about Justin Fields. And I, and I do think that, um, you know, Clemson is going to try to confuse the hell out of him with blitzes and all kind of other stuff and, and, and really try to force him into making decisions where he, uh is trying to make something out of nothing and then you know gets himself into trouble by throwing interceptions I, th- I think that's they're gonna that's gonna be venable's goal but if ohio state can sustain drives with a run that changes a lot i really believe that
1: yeah it's going to be it's going to be huge in addition to the confusion field's got to get the ball out of his hands faster than he did way yeah. too many times during the season i mean that he's was... got
0: to be willing to throw the ball away and and he has not been willing to do that at critical times. And,
1: and I love and respect that he's got this, you know, belief that he can make something out of nothing because certainly he does that at times, but sure. that, but that can't be, that can't be the game plan. You've got to be willing to pull the pin uh, and, and Chuck that grenade into the distance. Cause you know, you hold that thing and take, you know, and you end up at second and 25 uh, because you got sacked into the middle of last Tuesday Like that's not going to cut it in this game. And that's been a real challenge for him. So, you know, that that's, I'm with you hundred percent. I'd love to see, you know, run to set up the pass as opposed to, to being a pass first. And and I don't mind that this has been a pass first offense. It's been a lot of fun, but I agree with you wholeheartedly. If this becomes a shootout between the two gunslingers, that favors Clemson in a big way, just given the differences in the secondaries between the two teams. Uh, I, I think that's already going to have to be something that Ohio state game plans around, that, that Clemson has the decided advantage in that regard and being able to throw the ball downfield. But I, uh, you know, again, they pay these coaches millions of dollars to figure this out. So I'm sure that the staff is right on top of it.
0: Well, I would hope so. Right. Because we've had a lot of criticism leveled towards Kerry Combs and I think deservedly so
1: in a Fairly lot of ways. So. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And you also, I mean, a lot of it's personnel too. I, I, I am somewhat hesitant to put it all on Combs simply because I really don't know that they have, they lost a lot uh, in the defensive. There's secondary. a lot of
1: guys playing on Sunday.
0: There are. And <laughs> there's also on this a lot team of guys, not that
1: long ago, <laughs>
0: right? And there's guys playing in different positions who, you know, they haven't had a lot of time, a lot of game time to really get adjusted to that. I mean, Sean Wade can be a game changing player. He also has underwhelmed consistently. Um, and I he's think six that's games
1: important. into a new position. Yes. Right. Exactly. I mean, Something I mean that's, he hasn't played. that's a real thing. I mean, I've been fairly critical of him, uh, for being a, you know, would be first round draft pick and first team all American on more than one team, apparently, uh, which yeah. surprises me. Uh, it's, you know, not to me, not been his, his best season. However, comma, I keep reminding myself we're at mid season for a guy playing a position for the first time.
0: Yes, and with a lot of starting and stopping, and not being able to practice and all that kind of stuff. Which it's interesting to me. I mean, in, <laughs> it always goes back to Dab when Dab was like, "Well, we don't have a lot of game film. Okay, well that's fine, but that also means that Ohio State hasn't a lot of you know game film of themselves to practice against and to correct and to you know make analysis on. It. Like they have had the same kind of problems that any team that has been playing has, which is that they can't self evaluate which is difficult. You need to be able to improve as the season goes on. And I think having fewer games hurts them as much as it helps them. I mean, obviously you can talk about how it might help them in terms of health and overall team uh, cohesion and all that kind of stuff. You don't have to worry about replacing guys at the last minute. But on the other hand, everybody's been affected by COVID. They haven't been able to consistently practice for basically like a month, you know, before all of this. Like that's huge. That's a, that's a big freaking deal. So yes, it helps them in some ways, but I think it hurts them and just as many. And, uh, that's a problem when you've got players in a situation where they're in a new position or they're trying to learn a new system, right. Where they're, or they're trying to figure out how to defend players that they've never seen before that that's really hard to do. And, you know, a practice, practice squad can only do so much. Um, so I don't know. It, it, it's one of those things where I just think it's it can be difficult. I, I think they found something with Proctor a little bit in the defensive mm-hmm. secondary. I think yep. that's that's helpful. I think that'll be good. Uh, it's also a pretty tall order to say, okay, Wade Proctor, all these other guys, um, you know, Pete Warner, if you want to get back in coverage a little bit, that's nice. Thank you. That would be helpful mm-hmm. uh, to do that against Trevor Lawrence. guys, is basically, you know, the presumptive. First pick in the draft. Um, that's rough. That's that's a tough assignment. And Trevor Lawrence is Trevor Lawrence. I don't know that there's any kind of stat or uh, narrative that I can construct that diminishes his ability on the football field. And and really, you know, he didn't have an incredible game against Ohio State last year. He, at least in terms of passing the ball, he killed them running the ball. And I don't know how Ohio State negates that. I think no. you know, tough Morland and Pete Warner and Jonathan Cooper, all these guys. I think they've improved quite a bit as linebackers. Yes. Have they improved enough to be able to be a factor in coverage and against the potential legs of Trevor Lawrence? I don't know. Well, I, I think, I think it was, to... I'm
1: trying to remember if it was after the Indiana game, but in one of these, you know, midweek pressers after, uh, it had to have been the Indiana game. It could have been after Northwestern, but at any rate, they were interviewing, one of the defensive players and you know the comment was made that the thing the that uh coach combs really worked on with him was you know basically boiled down to stay in your gap you know i mean there's there's something to be said for you know gap discipline in that situation because when it comes that's exactly what happened last year with lawrence is he, he burned him uh as a runner which nobody expected i mean this guy isn't somebody that we bill as like you know the top dual threat quarterback in the universe right but he sure made him pay uh and we hope we don't see a repeat of that because you know back to what we we're talking about we think there's some advantage for Ohio State maybe in their front seven versus versus Clemson there particularly in the rushing game but if all of a sudden Lawrence is picking up 40 and 50 yards a carry yeah that's a uh, broken place that's <laughs> you're going to have a bad day that'll be tough um, a bad day a real bad day yeah and i will say i mean ohio
0: state in general i think has an advantage on on both Lines. Uh, The defensive line for Ohio state is really freaking good. And of the four teams in the playoff, they probably have the best defensive line, particularly in the interior, which I think at this point we can stop saying that they're unheralded. Right. I mean, (laughs) maybe they didn't get the love that they deserved in the uh, all American, uh, you know, roles, but overall, I I think people at this point acknowledge that, you know, Garrett Wilson, Tommy Togia, Garrett Wilson, Garrett (laughs) Haskell Garrett, uh, Similar, but totally different. Similar, but totally different. These guys are legit. They are really damn good. And i that's the other thing that I find interesting about this is what the role of uh, Travis Etienne versus the interior Ohio State's line will be. Because Ohio State's linebackers are probably better on the edge than people would expect. Mm-hmm interior wise i don't think atn who's had kind of a disappointing season by his standards at least in terms of running the ball uh i don't know that he's going to get much going in on the interior of that line i I think they'll be able to plug that up pretty substantially so i am also curious to see how that progresses in terms of clemson's running game what they try to do with that because if clemson is one-dimensional they can still win that game (laughs) i'm not gonna say oh clemson's one-dimensional they're it's over ohio state's got this they can still win if they're one-dimensional but it makes it a lot more difficult and if all of a sudden you don't have to worry about bringing up safeties to help contain atn or you know you can maybe put tough borland back and, and maybe even as a spy in certain situations if you're worried about um or or warner is a spy in certain situations if you're worried about lawrence with his legs that that changes the dynamic a little bit and takes some of that pressure off the secondary so that to me will be a big element to this um maybe not enough to completely change the game but i will probably be watching that from the jump i i want to see how ohio state's defensive line does against clemson's offensive line that will be a big deal to me yeah so We'll see how that goes. I, you know, overall, I, I'm, I'm just excited to see how the game plays out. Not necessarily because I think that, you know, this is a must win for Ohio state's reputation. It, it's a must win in terms of me psychically, right? My mental <laughs> health, because I hate Dallas 20 and I, I really can't stand what he stands for and all of that. But from a program health standpoint, this is not something where I think Ohio state has to, prove themselves as one of the top dogs in college football the, the recruiting classes that they're bringing in the fact that they have won the big 10 four years in a row now um when you've got players like justin fields as your standard bear they don't have to prove anything to anybody i, I think people pretty much acknowledge them as the one of the top three programs in the country yep um but it, it's interesting to me just from a standpoint of what can ohio state do in a weird season where they're kind of down a little bit this was basically a rebuilding year for them in a lot of ways what can they do against a team like clemson that is clemson right that is that is considered to be alabama east right so w- what do you do how how competitive can they be in that situation
1: yeah you really want to get the monkey off your back that you're you're oh and four against clemson not that you know not that one and four is suddenly like oh it's it's over our national nightmare is finally ended but right. but but at least it's you know it starts that process uh, of getting out from under it and and particularly you know when you're coming off last year where it was you know coulda woulda shoulda you know it felt like a game that the buckeyes as as you noted earlier you know just finish in the red zone just finish in the red zone and then it's not in the hands of the worst officiating crew in the history of horrible officiating crews you know so so that's that's definitely a thing but but you you said it you know you're coming in here it's a program it's a it's a season that already sort of has an asterisk to it or a cloud over it or however you want to look at it in a way it feels like you're playing with house money you know so don't don't like make this like it's the end of the world uh, win lose or draw because hey you know in an alternate universe we're not even playing this season uh right. let alone in a playoff game and and you know you have this you look and say okay what are ohio State's sh- chances to win win at all uh and you say well Everybody's chance to win it all, other than Alabama, is a long shot. Alabama is the prohibitive favorite to win this thing. They're really good. I mean, they had six <laughs> AP uh, first-team All-Americans. If I yeah. <laughs> read the press release right, I mean, you, you know, it's it's funny to say this. I mean, I'm not, I, I don't know that I'm know enough about them to say this is oh, this is Nick Saban's best team ever or anything hyperbole like that, but they're really good i mean i they're think really there's good. a i think there's a chance that if if the favorite you know if chalk wins out and uh clemson would beat ohio state i think it's perfectly reasonable to think that alabama beats the holy living dickens out of them
0: oh absolutely and they i mean they would go into that game honestly if it's clemson alabama i still think alabama's like touchdown plus favorites in that game
1: yeah it would mean um, yeah for sure i don't think i don't think six and a half seven points is unreasonable uh uh-uh. uh but no. because and that's not shade against Clemson that's uh it's, I think Alabama is really really good so Never. you know you, you you back this thing up as an Ohio State fan and say you know what you should just enjoy this one because right. it 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 really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things people sort of are going to assume this is going to be Nick Saban's seven millionth uh play you know national championship and let's just go on to the next one you're setting yourself up for you know, enjoy the practices and, and get ready for another playoff run next year. Uh, but, you know, because you're playing with house money, it's like, well, Hey, let's see what happens here. I mean, I think, I think there's a chance that they get this monkey off them their back and uh, I'm not going into it dead man walking because the offense is really good. The defensive mm-hmm. line, the only thing that gives me any real pause is is Ohio state's defensive secondary. I think we all share that concern. Right. And, and, but as you said, you know, they've, maybe they found some things that can work here. And if, uh, if, if the front can shut down, uh, any sort of rushing game, that Clemson might bring to bear and, and force them to, uh, you know, go for a shootout maybe that, maybe that favors Ohio state's offensive game plan.
0: Right. So I, yeah. And, and basically what I'm saying with all of that is pay attention to the running game look for Ohio State to try to shorten the game as much as they possibly can, right, and and, and make it incumbent on Clemson to say, well, we've got to win through the pass because there's no way we're going to like win it through the, you know the running game. Decrease the amount of positions that they have. And if that's what Ohio State's doing, last thing I want to say about that, actually, and, and this is what I think is also really relevant, Justin Fields doesn't have a whole lot of mileage on his legs this year, right? right? So right. if you've got a guy who's clearly capable of – putting up some big-time yardage on the ground. Justin Fields is a guy who might be able to have a chance to do that. I would be really interested to see if they try to fully weaponize Justin Fields' running ability in this game, because that's kind of an X factor that has not been fully exploited for a long time, really. And if he goes full Braxton Miller in this game, win or lose, I would really, really, really enjoy watching that. That would be hilarious to me. Um, it would also be poetic justice in a lot of ways if um, if he was able to win that way too, as well. So I would like to see that. I, I kind of hope that they try something along those lines um, just to see what, you know, comes of it. And if they win, that's awesome. If not, you know, that's, that sucks, but at least we can watch Clemson get skunked by uh, by Alabama or potentially a third, <laughs> a third Clemson Notre Dame matchup, which, You know, if anybody's talking about expanding the playoff that this is part of the reason why, like when you have the same (laughs) pool of teams to choose from every year, you're going to get matchup after matchup after matchup rematch after rematch after rematch. I don't need that. I don't need that in my life. I want to see new goofy crap. So hopefully we get some of that. And uh, it's not just rehashing the same, um, you know, two, three, four teams every year.
1: Now, uh, one uh, thing I have to say in terms of a rehash of years past that I am extremely excited about yeah, was the news that came out Monday that Ohio State will be wearing the white Nike Diamond Quest uniform, oh, yeah. which uh, you may remember for some, from such fantastic seasons as Ohio State's last national championship run. Uh, they, they wore the white kits in the Sugar Bowl, Versus Alabama when Ezekiel Elliott immortalized mm-hmm. uh, the great play known as 85 yards through the heart of the South. So I'm I'm very excited that they're going to be wearing the Diamond Quest kits because I personally am of the mind that those uniforms should be Ohio State's default base level option. I mean they uh, were
0: at one point. I mean that's they,
1: that's what drives
0: me crazy that they, they had the best uniforms that they could possibly have and then. Tressel and his infinite wisdom's like nah we don't need that
1: is this i mean is this the only thing that jim Tressel ever done that is really worthy of criticism i i, I think it's well, aside right from there.
0: rigging that that raffle in the 1980s yes. yeah i mean
1: that was pretty bad now that you mentioned <laughs> it <At laughs> equal
0: on par with screwing up the uh the shoulder stripe
1: i mean i mean it's a, it's a, a toss-up for me between like unflinching loyalty to assistants who should have long ago moved on to other ventures <laughs> But yeah. but the, but killing the shoulder stripes. I mean, I love Jim Trestle. Like I've said this more than once. Uh, the people who play the eleven dubcast drinking game, you know, feel free to take a shot. But I've pledged eternal loyalty to the distinguished senator from Youngstown. Uh, but that is one thing that just drives me up the wall. Yeah, that we killed the gray shoulder stripes and it's like time to bring them back for and i quote ever uh so this is this was a happy thing for me when i saw those uniforms were coming back out of the closet for this one
0: so that's sick i'm glad those are back as well those are the best ohio state uniforms and and long may they rain they should they really i don't you know i get it that you've got certain things that you're trying to do and and nike blah blah blah. this is our brand i change it change it that's got to be the original thing that's what it should be. Here's here's another suggestion. How about this? Change the damn font of the end zone, Ohio State. I hate that they use aerial Bold. Just fix. Do other cool things. <laughs> Ohio State can be cool. You can allow. You can allow the fonts to change. You can allow the shoulder shape to change. Do cool stuff. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, the look. They'll look very icy when they come out uh, against Clemson. That should be a lot of fun. Obviously, Dabo has given us as fans a lot of fuel to our fire leading up to this and you know again yeah i know i i meant it i meant it when i said ohio state was 11 they're terrible fine i all
1: right so so i I have a question for you johnny ray yeah this this is important Uh, and and particularly an important question for you as the keeper of what I I think is one of our most important long running features on the website. And that, that is the threat level Michigan column. Uh, So as the designated chronicler of our most important rivalry, the rivalry, the, the best rivalry in all of sport is Ohio state Clemson. A rivalry.
0: Yeah. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, you can make a rivalry at anything. And I used to be, I'll be a convert and, and say that I uh, did not used to consider like Penn State to be a rival. For example, like, ah, bullcrap, you can't manufacture rivalry. Sure you can. You play a team often enough, and you get angry at them often enough. I have changed my tune on this. You absolutely can can have a rivalry out of nothing. And, can,
1: can it be a rivalry if one of the team's stat line is O? and four
0: yes yes as long as they're competitive right because that's really the key thing here if if a team is losing by 20 30 40 points consistently year in year out that's not a rival anymore right nobody cares about illibuck it besides me apparently because state, forever yeah because people because people expect ohio state to annihilate illinois now i will say that my last game as a student in ohio stadium was losing ohio state losing to illinois at home terrible in 2007 i was yeah god-awful but it's not a rivalry that people care about so much anymore because ohio state is a sustained record of success michigan for example i know that most of the people listening to this will say okay well the 90s are the worst time of my entire life from a tenure war blah, blah, blah. well i gotta tell you something there are college graduates who can only remember one michigan victory over ohio state it is not as big a rivalry for them anymore and again Because Michigan has gotten skunked so repeatedly by the Buckeyes lately. It hasn't been close. Clemson kind of like hooking and by crook, right? Beating Ohio State by relatively small margins or even blowouts that we remember. Point is, it's still competitive. And so because of that, it pisses us off. It pisses us off. It makes us angry. And that creates, that generates that rivalry feeling. So I think it is a rivalry. And if Ohio State keeps running up against Clemson, and Davo keeps shooting his mouth off, then that just fuels the fire. It's going to keep it going. So I think they're a rival, and maybe not one that you play every year. But I don't think we're playing Nillabuck again until like what twenty twenty three or twenty four something stupid like that. So yeah,
1: but to your point though, I mean I think Ohio State will continue to be one of the top three or four teams in the country. Right. God knows the way you know the way Ryan Day is recruiting. If anything, Ryan Day has elevated Ohio State's recruiting from what was already. Uh, an extremely good level, I, I mean, I think it's reasonable to assume that Ohio State and Clemson could continue to play each other at least every couple of years in the yeah. playoff. Like that's a, Absolutely. That, that's not an unreasonable expectation. Now here's if anyone's on the fence about this, because I am 100% in the camp that this has become a rivalry. Uh, the fact that Dabo you know, continues to throw out bulletin board material, like ranking the Buckeyes 11th the, the way you know that this has been reciprocated is is Ryan Day in his press conference Monday throwing shade <laughs> at Brent Venables generally considered to be one of the best defensive coordinators in the country for uh, his very well-known system of stealing signals from opposing teams yeah. which is not
0: illegal by the way your teams are free to do that if they wish well of course Um, the
1: clemson uh faithful were quick to jump in the comments and on the twitter.com a website i frequent from time to time uh with you know well get better signals or hey just huddle if you don't want us to steal your signals and so on and so on i i would say that uh you know clemson's probably not the only team to ever steal signals however comma they're the only team that a national media outlet has written an extensive expose about (laughs) how they go about stealing signals and how prevalent it is an important part of their program true (laughs) (laughs) they've taken it uh to the level of being somewhat of an art form apparently
0: yeah. And, and that's fine. And I, you know, I endorse Ryan Day throwing that kind of shade um, because frankly, there's only so much if you're Clemson, if you're, uh, you know, if you're watching them kind of do this, that they can kind of get a get, get away with without being able to claim to be this pure or just a bunch of good old southern boys trying their best like okay you're you're cheating like everyone else and you've you've perfected it into an art and that's fine here's here's the thing and this goes back to what i want to say about davis 20 in general which is that it's not that he's a villain that's okay it's okay to be a villain in college football and i want to i want to write about this actually uh briefly so look out for it on the site um it's okay to be a villain. There's nothing wrong with being a villain. We endorse villains in, in college football, but villains usually know that they're villains and, and they play it up. Dabo doesn't have the courage or the intestinal fortitude to be consistent in whether or not he wants to be the, the douchebag or not. If you want to be Lane Kiffin and throw bombs, right? That's fine, right? There's nothing wrong with that. that that's hilarious. We need, we need people like that. If you want to be, you know, hate and ask Spurrier and do that and, and just be a jerk all the fine. That's okay. But don't say in like what in October or September or something that we don't really care how many games a team plays, because it's just about who does the best and who knows what's going to happen. And then come out a couple months later and say, Oh, well, that's not enough. I, don't, I couldn't possibly rate Ohio state in the top 10. I don't think they've proven it. Or if somebody accuses you of like stealing signs or other things like that. I, my point is, is that Dabo Isn't a villain, he's just a petulant, whiny baby. If you want to be a villain, you gotta be ideologically consistent. And he's not, he doesn't have really an ideology except Dabo. And that's what makes him so annoying and so frustrating because it's not it's not like, oh man, he's the guy I love to hate. He's the guy that I just look at and go like, Why are you here? (laughs) Just (laughs) shut up, just (laughs) shut up and, and do your job, and you'd be so much more tolerable if you were a consistent villain who just took a stance and and just went with it i'd be cool with it but he's not because the only thing Dabo really cares about is is Dabo, and um it's it's just a pain in the ass to have to deal with on a consistent basis as a fan as somebody who cares about like football being entertaining because he's just the most grating personality you could have for a program that good
1: i mean he feels like a 10 million dollar troll like people yeah I know people. They're not even in a fun
0: way. Like, it's just a sad, like, kind of like, oh, well, don't say this stuff about my program. Like, it's just the whining is just
1: ridiculous. Yeah. Cause people, you know, for a long time, people outside of the Southeast would talking about, you New know, York Nick Saban and, you know, he can be. Oh, terse, shall we say, yeah. with with reporters and so on. But but I, I respect the heck out of Sabin. Number one, because I think he's literally the best to ever do it at the collegiate level. Sure. Uh, you can you can argue, you know, who's who's better, Saban or Belichick. You know, in terms of the the overall goat of coaching football. Uh, but but I think the the thing I respect about Saban is you know who he is. He's not changing. Uh, it, it it's, it's that consistency that you're talking about. And and I generally appreciate when he says something snarky or crappy, it's like based in principle, right? You may not agree with the principle, but, but it's coming, like, it's a deep belief that Saban has about whatever it is. You know, it's, it's, it's the program, it's the process, it's the whatever Dabo it's, it's all about his personal self-interest. Yes. Uh, so the example of, Oh, well, I ranked Ohio state 11th because they only played six games when seven weeks ago, eight weeks ago, he was saying, Oh no, I shouldn't think we should hold that against teams because his team might have missed several games. If right. You know, I mean, they had a major Corona outbreak during the offseason. season. Right. So, you know, <laughs> when, when it no longer was going to keep his team out of the playoff. Oh yeah. Screw those guys they don't deserve to be there. And, and that's just, I mean, that's just a a part of it, right? The fact that he's getting paid nearly $10 million as his state's highest paid public employee and is also one who said, well, I just think I'd quit coaching if we had to pay players to, right. And we had to give players any kind of money like, Oh, come on. You know, here, yeah. Uh, so I can enjoy a Mike Leach, I can enjoy a Lane Kiffin. They're entertaining. uh Dabo, I just continue to hate with the fiery passion of ten thousand burning suns, and find him to have few redeeming qualities as a human being.
0: Yeah, Dabo is just a rich kid who, like, you know, <laughs> he invites you over to his backyard to play basketball, and if you start beating him, he takes the ball and he goes back inside, and he says, "No, well, <laughs> rules changed over or done. I got to go inside." Like, it's just it's it's frustrating because it's such a damn good program they're so good I'm not going to take anything away from their success on the field he does that Dabo does that he takes away from their success on the field by making it about him and his narrative all the time that's the problem it's not if you were Dabo Sweeney what would you rather do would you rather complain about a team not having enough you know wins to be ranked in your estimation the top 10 or would you say trevor lawrence should be the heisman trophy candidate right what would you spend your time and energy on what would you rather try to pay more attention to instead it's more about like well justifying my ideas my which are completely fungible will change at any point in time if it benefits myself that's that's what's so annoying about this dude and i don't if you were coached by anybody else, I I don't think I would have nearly this kind of like hype for this game because they'd go, okay, well, London's probably going to beat the crap out of Ohio state. And I don't, you know, I can look for ways for them to keep it close and whatever, but it's not something that I'm super invested in. I just need Dabo to shut up. And also to that end, a big reason why I was so interested and invested in the championship game (laughs) last season. Right. Because, and a lot of people, a lot of people thought that Clemson was going to go in there and, and beat LSU. They didn't think that was going to be, you know, a game. And then Joe Burrow, nope, just tore him up and that's okay. And I, and that was, that was fun because it was a guy who and Joe Burrow specifically, and I guess you could send to Ed Orgeron, although I think he's definitely undergoing a, a reevaluation of his coaching prowess at this point in time, but you got a guy in Joe Burrow who was very straightforward, very clear about who he was and what he was about. And Dabo, who's just wishy-washy and will complain and change his views on pretty much anything depending on whether it benefits him at the moment, yep. um, th- those kind of people aren't really fun to watch in sports or in life, and uh, yeah, they need to get theirs at, at a certain point in time. So I hope Ohio State pulls it off. I hope it gets done. Um, you know, it's it's funny because you look at you know some of the accolades and things like that, and it, it's interesting to me, I guess, to see what the national conversation is surrounding all of this. I mean you know sean wade first team all-american great job <laughs> you know like yeah yeah so there there's all these outside uh things but really it just comes back down to davo because he he once again made it about himself and uh that's that's really the guy that we want to we want to see lose so hopefully it happens hopefully they pull it off and uh you know we get to crow about it for however long and <laughs> there'll be the memes the memes they'll just be perfected so I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll be happy about that if that's what you know lasts for the next 360 some days um we to remind you the dubcast is sponsored by the dry goods store at 11warriors.com drygoods.11warriors.com shirts tat stickers all kinds of great stuff check it out i actually before we to ask us anything there is one more thing that i want to uh, talk about uh, real quick we had this very brief debate on Slack, you know, Dwayne Haskins has been released by Washington, uh, the Washington football team. Do you believe, what is your opinion on this debate? Cause I don't know that I caught it when we were talking about it. Do you think that this hurts the perception of Ohio state among, you know, maybe big time quarterback recruits is Ohio state not being able to put a successful quarterback in the, in the NFL, right. One with sustained success. Is that, is that narrative hurting Ohio State? Do you think it might hurt Ohio State in the future?
1: I mean, clearly it hasn't hurt them up to this point, at least at least with this generation of recruits. Given that Ohio State was able to recruit Braxton Miller, Terrell Pryor, J.T. Barrett, Dwayne Haskins, and and Justin Fields, and oh by the way, it feels like there are about twenty seven other five star recruits currently committed to play quarterback at Ohio State. So you know, clearly the the history, and I mean, and to be to be frank, the history is not great. Yeah. Uh, you know, since 1980, and, and, and uh, David Hale uh, put this out on Twitter, Ohio State's had 20 different quarterbacks lead the team in passing. Uh, and he said, you know, they're the only one, the only one to start more than five games in the NFL and finish with a winning record is is Mike Tomczak, who went und- undrafted, right? Like, so mm-hmm. you look at the two, two – if you count Haskins as a bust which I I mean I think it's early because I want to see who who takes a flyer on him I feel like somebody will Mm -hmm. um you know but if you count Haskins as a bust you you look at Arch Leister was 0 and 8 as a starter Haskins is 3 and 9 um so so 20 quarterbacks have led the Buckeyes in passing since 1980 13 of those guys got drafted all right? right but just two in the first round shillister and haskins both uh you know schlester was clearly a bust and in the rest of his story is uh horrific but haskins um you know not off to a great start any any way you slice it but you go back and you look at say okay Cardell jones troy smith jt bear braxton miller terrell terrell Pryor, some of the best college quarterbacks of of a generation played ball at ohio state and like and so as as hale was making the point this isn't about a coach or a system or, or, or even a program like this. It's four decades where you just don't have anything to point to in terms of success in the league, and yet that hasn't stopped Ohio State from drafting these exceptional college quarterbacks. So yeah. my, my comment in, in the debate, my position, I guess, to answer your question finally, is that I don't think it matters right now but if Justin Fields is drafted in the first round, as we all assume he will be, and he too craps out, then I, I think at some point, you know, that'll definitely be used as as negative recruiting, if you will. Um, and, and we already sort of to an extent saw that, we, you know, I think it was um, I think it was pro football focus uh, put out a thing today about, um, you know, just how poor Haskins performed, um, you know, relative to other first I had to go back and find the tweet but it was one of those like where oh here it is yeah so um Haskins has the highest graded NFL season by an Ohio State quarterback since 2006 okay yeah. and and that was last year which ranked 23rd in the NFL you know so he was he, he was in the bottom third of quarterbacks in the league and it was the best NFL season by an Ohio State quarterback in 20 years you mm-hmm. know? so I, I all about to say is I don't think it matters right now, but the negative recruiting that'll come from a fields coming in and crapping out after Haskins as a first round pick crapped out. Yeah. I mean, I think at some point that's going to go, that's going to go into the mix.
0: I see. I'm a little skeptical about that because first of all, I think that every, Big time recruit, right? If you're a big time quarterback recruit and you're thinking that you're going to be the next big thing and you're maybe a top five national pick, something like that, every single one of those players thinks that they're going to be the next, you know, Tom Brady. N- nobody, the, I don't think they think of it in terms of, I have to get to this college so that I can be that good. I think they go, I'm going to be that good no matter where I go, which is the place that's going to facilitate that the best. So, for a lot of these guys, they probably understand that their talent is super high level, that they're going to be fine. And that that's not like, they're looking for comfort. They're looking for a coach that they vibe with, that they connect with and say, okay, I can develop in four years with this person. Ryan day doesn't necessarily, I think have to convince those guys that his NFL quarterbacks are super successful, because I believe that most of them think that they're going to be successful no matter what. The other thing is that you have to think about is like, it's interesting. The other thing that's interesting to me is like if you look at the the colleges where starting NFL quarterbacks went to, there is some I guess validity to the whole idea of quarterback whispering if you're maybe Lincoln Riley, right? And you're going, okay, all right, well, we've got Kyler Murray, we got Baker, maybe we got Jay Leonards. You know, we we've got guys in the league that people can, you know, point to a certain coach and say, this is that guy. But on the other hand, I don't think that Alabama is particularly hurting for, you know, NFL recruits and they yeah. haven't had or NFL c- capable recruits out of high school. Um, and I they don't have a ton of dudes in the league who are really tearing it up. Right. They got Tua down in Miami who looks like he might be good. But over the years since Saban's been there, it's not like they've put in all these amazing quarterbacks that people are just salivating over. Right. Um You know, same with even – like, Clemson, you've had a number of quarterbacks who've been good for a short period of time and then kind of flamed out a little bit. But, like, I don't – I mean, it's – the list is really funny because, you know, Derek Carr, right, Fresno State, (laughs) Daniel Jones, Duke – I don't know. I mean, Kirk Cousin, who's in the league, Michigan state, like that's, that's the kind of stuff that's really funny to me because there are a number of schools that you would just never expect at all to have that kind of influence in the league. Mm-hmm. And yet Russell Wilson, who is at NC state and Wisconsin NC state has just a big, an impact. I think you could argue as, you know, Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma right now, even though Phillip rivers has been in the league since I was like six years old. Um, you know ben roethlisberger obviously miami of ohio i guess what i'm saying is is that it's to me the quarterback game in the nfl is such a crap shoot and the fact that really you're talking about a league where maybe seven guys are actually really that good and then you've yeah. got a whole lot of mediocrity i just don't know that it's a thing where people are looking to the league and going okay you have to have a lot of sustained success from a singular college for us to be comfortable going there as a quarterback recruit. I just, I don't see it. I think every big time quarterback recruit thinks they're going to be great no matter where they go to, whether it's USC or Ohio state or Oklahoma, and they're looking more for relationships than anything else. So I'm not worried about the next big quarterback recruit spurning Ohio state. If Justin Fields doesn't end up being really great, I guess is what I'm saying.
1: Yeah. I don't think you're that. that, And I agree with that hundred percent. I don't, I don't think you'll see a guy who might otherwise be inclined to go to Ohio state say, Oh, well pfft, I'm out. Yeah. But, but, but I think it's one of those things that when you're in a battle, you know, with Adabo Swinney, let's say for a blue chipper, I mean, that's one of those things that, you know, the, the, the guys like Dabo are going to be like, well, did you see how Haskins didn't make it? now the flip side of that is I think, okay, what's your ultimate selling point? If you're, Ohio State in in the recruiting department it's it's getting guys in the league you know right. so if you're a first round pick you know you you're talking about life changing you're you're talking about life changing money. money right yeah. you know this 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 is really what your goal is from there it's on you i mean ohio state can't do anything about right not, and, and and we could use haskins as an example where i think he was set up in I, I don't know if you want to say it was the worst possible scenario but it's got to be pretty close It's pretty bad it's got to be pretty close i mean that's a dysfunctional franchise you're sending him back home Um, You know, probably no first round pick with that kind of life changing money should go back to their hometown (laughs) to be to be the quarterback. I guess I guess it's sort of working for Joe Burrow because he's like, you know, going to stay with mom and dad or something and not go. You got mom and dad looking over your shoulder. You're not going to go. I don't know. But it just seemed like that franchise in particular is so poorly run. You'd have much rather seen him in a program like, I, I love the idea. I saw some people talking about, could Could he go to New England or or Pittsburgh as the admitted Steelers fan on staff? I, I hope it's Pittsburgh because I think that franchise is so well run that it would be a very good scenario for him. Right. Um, and God knows they need a better backup. This, this season has underscored in stark relief how they need a better backup for Ben Roethlisberger than anything that's on the roster currently. Right. Uh, but, but ultimately some stability, you know, where he can grow and mature as, as a professional, I think we all believe he has the tools. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, and that, and that matters a lot, right? Like fit, look at, look at Burrow. So Burrow, you know, as, as pro ready, a prospect as there's been at the quarterback position for a couple of seasons, right? I mean, he's, he's really good, but you send him, you know, he gets, he gets to the program, to the, to the franchise that. You know he's being protected by a wet paper bag and look what happens you know he gets injured it's not (laughs) like not the most predictable thing in the history of the universe yeah exactly right (laughs) I mean I think you know it's a wonder he's still alive yeah uh half of the pass behind that line so all that to say I mean so much of what happens after the guy puts on the ball cap uh on on draft day has nothing to do with where he went to school. I mean, yeah, it, I just no, none of it has anything to do with where he goes to school. So I, right. I just think I think if you know there's a narrative that will come up that that Ohio State has multiple uh, you know, quarterbacks go bust, then it's just it's just a narrative that the people like Dabo will use in in negative recruiting. That that's all. Sure. But I but I agree with you. You know, if if a guy is a five-star that was really interested in coming to work with Ryan Day and you know, play for a Heisman or a, or, or a, uh, a playoff appearance, and to get drafted, Ohio State certainly has a story to tell in terms of getting guys at any position drafted into the league and getting their name called in the first round.
0: Yeah, I just, I, you know, I think a lot of these dudes, you know, you're a hot shot high school recruit, you're in you're like, that couldn't be me, right? That ain't you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> happened to happen to Dwayne. I ain't Dwayne. I'm better, right. than Dwayne. And and that's going to be oh, the that's I mean,
1: know. that's huge for so many of those recruits. I like, like that's why I mean almost. there's almost a thing that when you're recruiting a guy uh you know you'd think well they wouldn't want to go to a team that struggled at a given position but but those those especially the better the recruits like they're so cocky or or believe in themselves however you want to put it they say well that's okay i can fix that i can fix that you know you you weren't good at that 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 because you didn't have me you know you you weren't good at that position because you didn't have me
0: and in some oh. cases, that's that's completely valid, too. I mean, there are a number of players who you're like, damn, this dude is so good. They're going to change that narrative completely for that team. I mean, every at some point, you're going to have a Deshaun Watson, right? You're going to have somebody who comes in who goes, wow, they really garbage at this position or something like that. And then, damn, it, it changes everything for them. So a lot of players want to be that guy. They want to be the player that, that finally makes it in the league or finally wins the Heisman at that position or something like that. And that's fine. I mean, there are players who are that good and they can be that for those teams. And I just don't think that's ever going to go away. And I think Ohio State also has the ability to recruit them. So I'm not worried about it. It's not something that I think will hurt Ohio State. Um, You know, if there's chatter around Ryan Day, maybe not coaching these guys up for real and maybe, you know, he's overblown in that regard, then yeah, that could hurt him. But overall, I don't you know i don't think the future success of of players once they leave columbus matters a whole lot to uh, to recruits down the line
1: now back to our discussion of of this particular game coming up to ohio state i think this game matters quite a bit in terms of where justin fields ultimately oh uh, sure here's his name called yes in in the draft and and i yeah, know this it's this is going to make some... him some
0: money if he yeah he's got to go out and have a game because he does not want he does not want the last thing that NFL scouts see is a, a mediocre, mediocre or poor game against stiff competition. He he will make himself a lot of money if he comes out and, and plays his
1: uh, ass off. Even if he doesn't win, if he has a good game, yes, absolutely. You know, it, it, and if it ends up being, uh, I mean, a game like last year is an example. Score wise, even if Ohio State walks away without the win. But but Fields has a good game, which he admittedly had some things that he you know need to improve on from last year's game. Uh, sure. But 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 just score wise, you know, it, it's it's gonna. But if Ohio State comes out and it's a thirty-one to zero, and and Fields looks like he did in the Big Ten championship game, uh, right. then you know then that's going to be a challenge for Same
0: him. Same with Sean Wade. I mean, there's a lot of Yo, guys for who are sure. Playing, yeah, they're playing for a paycheck against Clemson. That's absolutely true.
1: Which you know, hey, not for nothing uh is not a bad thing for ohio state when you've got some no. guys who because you already know those guys are out the door like we're not talking right. about you know a oh here's a fringe guy who may be playing himself into no nah, it's not that those are two guys you know are already out the door yep after this season and, and i know that i've seen some folks you know in the comments on the site or on twitter or whatever time out. Like, well fields had a couple stinkers so he definitely needs to come back another year <laughs> no. lol sure yeah haha we'd all love that and it ain't gonna happen
0: yeah sorry <laughs> you're a top five pick make 20 million guaranteed i'm sorry that that's and if i would question not, his sanity if he yeah did not.
1: no i mean look if you're a first round pick you go 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 yeah. go make that I, you know i used to be one of those guys and i say used to be meeting 20 plus years ago it was like yeah. oh no you need to you know get your degree and all that sort of thing uh you still get your degree just do i'm, I'm, doing I'm telling you greg odin uh, you know convinced me go get your money while you can you Hell know yeah, because man. there's a guy that i i looked at and said was as good a ball player as i ever got to watch personally play the game
0: yep yeah get and
1: paid, and get your you know totally out of his control what happened to end his career you know right. i mean it just and and that can happen i mean I'm, I'm a huge fan of Ryan damn Uh first NFL jersey I ever bought, you know, was, was uh Cam Hayward because I, I love him at Pittsburgh. The second one I ever bought was Ryan Shazier because a uh, huge fan of that guy and what he's been through, but there's an example, you know, guy in the prime of his career and will never play another snap of competitive right. football. Right. Like yeah. it's.
0: You're it, always one snap away from retirement, no matter what level you're at.
1: Uh-huh. and 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 Dwayne we could go it doesn't have to be injury we could go to Dwayne Haskins like you know his career for all intents and purposes could be over you right. know he may not find that second chance that that he then turns around and parlays into a a, a long-term career but he's gotten that first round money you know that's something it's not right. nothing
0: it's not um so yeah those are some storylines to kind of pay attention to as we get into it it'll be exciting to see how it plays out hopefully ohio state comes out on top and fingers crossed crossed. uh let's do some ask us anything as a reminder you can send us questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com let's answer this question here this is from josh and josh wants to know this is something that we kind of referred to a little bit at the beginning but uh, is trey sermon's performance of the big 10 championship game a flash in the pan or is there some sustainability in the run game in the clemson matchup how do you so let me put it this way to you Andy, how much faith do you have in Trey Sermon right now? Do you are, are you do you think this guy's on the upswing? Do you think it was just an incredible insane uh, you know one time thing or is he kind of rounding into form? What does it look like? So
1: I was on the I was on the round table this week um, with with a couple of our esteemed colleagues, uh, the the king of the beat Dan Hope and our own Teddy Heisman. Um, and, and I actually brought this up. Like I, I said it this way, it's, it's hard to be super critical of the rushing game after watching them just run hog ass wild all over Northwestern. Right. But, but I was finding myself after the game, asking myself, like, am I, am I looking at the answer to our prayers or is this fool's gold? You know, because you had a guy who almost doubled his season rushing total in a single game. Yeah i mean he was basically within his average you know he was pulling off like what 12 13 yards a carry and he basically came within a carry (laughs) at that rate of doubling his season output so in five games why didn't we see that type of production so so i started thinking about this okay was it was the idea he's splitting carries with with master teague so you know and there was this this hesitance it seemed like to make either guy the feature back we know teague is a monster running you know Straight down the field, you know, he's gonna knock the dickens out of the guy in front of him, but he's got the lateral mobility of, I don't know, me. Uh, you know, <laughs> he's not a guy who's gonna make you miss like ever or or make a cut. I mean, it's just it's not gonna happen. I don't know.
0: I feel like you could be a little you might be sneaky, uh, squirrely. I don't know. You might be a guy who can fake out a dude, you could do it or two.
1: Yeah, that'd be one of those guys that uh, you you say he's he's sneaky athletic. Yeah, no, yeah. I am I'm not neither sneaky nor athletic. So, <laughs> you know, when I when I look at this with Sermon, I I mean I think that's part of it. I think one is is that he was splitting carries with Teague. You know, that he wasn't just hey this is RB number one and and poof. So I think that's something because you talk about this this concept of rhythm rhythm with yeah. an offense in particular more so than a defense, but an offense in rhythm, and and you know that's part of why I think. Fields had some of the issues he had lately. It's this start and stop these fits and starts mm-hmm. games into the season. We're on again. We're off again. And I, and I think that affects a running back too, because how many times do you see running back by committee really work? You know, how, Even how, when you're playing every week, right? How often like- does it really work? Yeah. So then when you come into a situation like this and, and, and this game, basically it was Trey sermon, you know, that was, that was it. I mean, early Teague was still in and then Teague's hurt and Hey, it's Trey's game. So, you know, maybe he just found that rhythm. And and I think Ohio state's offensive line with the exception of, of Harry Miller's untimely brain farts, <laughs> um, you know, you got a Remington finalist anchoring as we were talking about earlier, an exceptional line again. So I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big believer that, if sermon you know wasn't just for whatever reason you know that you sold his soul to the devil for one game or you know (laughs) that you found the genie of the lamp or whatever it is I, i i just i think that to me is why we weren't seeing some of that earlier on and and hey by the way you know all all respect in the world to Pat Fitzgerald's Clemson, uh, Northwestern Wildcats and, and the firm there, their linebacking core and so on, but they're a I don't good, think it,
0: they're a good defensive team. They really are. Like it's, it's absolutely, it's not but, like but they I, were just I, rushing over a tomato can.
1: but you just always come back to and say, but, but they, but they're not Clemson. Sure. So, so I'm, I'm really interested, but, but, but we've talked about that right with the line play. I, I mean, I yeah. think there's a decided advantage there, but, but how big of an advantage, I don't know. I got to feel like, I got to feel like sermon is feeling the momentum. I gotta feel like he's feeling his oats. I'd just be curious to see from a game plan standpoint and what they do. You know, if Teague is back in the mix and, and do you just use him as a changeup back? I mean, I I guess I would say you got to ride the hot hand here. Mm-hmm. And, oh, of course, yeah. And let Sermon go out and do his thing.
0: Here's here's what I'll say about Trey Sermon. All right, people maybe haven't realized this, and I think, I mean, we tend to view people based on first impressions and then most recent experiences right so we're you done for me lately yeah exactly we don't really see the evolution of somebody over time Trey Sermon got a lot of heat at the beginning of the season because he was expected to be this guy who okay he's not going to be JK because how could you be the guy just had the most successful you know season in Ohio State history yeah you he can't really replace that but he's going to be good he's going to be really damn good and he will be great and continue the rushing game blah blah, blah. And then he comes out and he doesn't look that hot especially you know Nebraska Penn State uh 11 so i'm looking at the stats right now against nebraska 11 attempts 48 yards 4.4 per carry penn state 13 carries 56 yards 4.3. okay so then the narrative is pretty much set we're like oh crap well trey sermon isn't getting it done you know you better hope the master t can do it and then you know we'll, we'll go from there against rutgers 12 carries 68 yards 5.7 yards per carry okay that's serviceable, but we're we're pretty much at this point entrenched in the idea that we know who the starting running back is, and it's not Trey Sermon. Against Indiana, nine carries, sixty yards, six point seven yards per carry. Huh. Okay, so maybe Trey, maybe Trey Sermon's not as bad. Michigan State, ten carries, one hundred and twelve yards, eleven point two yards per carry. And what I find interesting about this is that against Michigan State, everything was working right. Ohio State scores fifty points. Master Teague does really well. Everybody kind of goes, okay, well maybe it's just a product of um or actually justin fields against michigan state was a guy who racked up the yard so maybe it's just a product of the running game you know in general being really good the offensive lines dominating whatever here's what i see i see a player that's gotten consistently better since the penn state game on like on a week-to-week basis and again it's relative because they're not really truly week-to-week right it's game to game and you have to you know fill in the blanks but he was really damn good against Michigan state before that Northwestern explosion. He was pretty damn good against Indiana. Right. Mm -hmm. So again, I don't think he's going to go out and run for 300 yards against Clemson. I also think he's going to be pretty effective in general. So that's a good question because I have a little bit more faith in Trey sermon than I expected to have at this point in the year in part, because I truly believe that he's rounding into form. And like you said, you've got to, it's all about reps at the running back position. It is so much about a being able to deal with getting hit, right? That's a huge deal. Honestly, you can't replicate the kind of punishment that you take in a game in practice. You just can't. So once you understand what that's like and, and getting used to that, I think that's a big deal. Timing is also a really huge issue. Understanding how your offensive line is going to work and, and you know how that interplay happens. That's a big deal. Um, I, I just really think that he is a talented guy who's rounding into form, who might surprise people and how effective he is against Clemson. Because I don't think that Clemson's defensive line has the kind of uh, matchup advantage that they might want to have against Ohio State's offensive line. So there's an opportunity there, and that's kind of what I was getting at earlier in this podcast, that, you know, do I think he's going to be able to change the outcome of the game? Not necessarily, but can he change the tenor of the game and how it plays out? Yes. And it just all kind of relies on how much faith Brian Day and company have in him, And and hopefully he lives up to that. Um, Okay. So this next question here, this is from our good friend, Alvin. (laughs) This is, I I like this. We can get out of here on this one. Uh, How would you rate Kevin Warren leading the big 10 in football this year? Uh, Does he get credit for getting a team to the playoff? (laughs) No, (laughs) he doesn't. He doesn't get any credit. Uh, The botched response in August uh multiple attempts at trying to create some kind of consistency in terms of um, messaging and standards. I just – the guy was in over his head in a normal year, and in a year like this, he clearly just did not have a plan. I'm not going to give him credit for Ohio State being really good. That's it. Like, Ohio State – Jim Delaney wouldn't have gotten credit this year if Ohio State was in the playoff, and I don't think Kevin Warren should either.
1: How would I rate his first year – uh, huge, embarrassing failure. That's yeah. how I would rate this gotta year. Get, and he's got to get better. It, I, I mean, there is literally nothing about how, and, and, and I'm going to set this caveat here because I think it's a fair question is what percentage of the blame, so to speak for the fiasco that is pretty much everything uh, that is emanated from the big 10 office about this college football season, how much of it actually falls on the commissioner versus the presidents who actually run the conference. I, I think that's a fair, but he's, he's the PR I, guy. I, I, I mean,
0: if, if it really boils down to it, he's the face of the conference. He's got to be the one who gets the messaging correct, both to people outside the conference and also within the conference.
1: He didn't do either one of those effectively. So, so you got to do two, you got to look at this in two different ways. One, uh, if, you, if you're if you in the camp that says, well, the president's really called the shots, yes, okay, I'll, I'll grant you that, and at the same time, you're the commissioner of the conference, part of your job is is to guide and steer and advise and build consensus among right. those presidents, you know, everything rises and falls on leadership, that's a Maxwellism that I, I feel like I repeat more and more uh, these days everything rises and falls on leadership and so warren yeah he, you know he may be beholden to the presidents but at the same time you know what when you're when you're trying to decide if we're going to do this or we're not going to do this you you should build consensus because clearly when the big 10 decided oh no we're not going to play football there was not consensus there because Neither. you you obviously had players uh in this discussion by players i mean the athletic directors the president and so on who came away from that like well we sure weren't on board with that well wait a minute I thought this was consensus in other words that we were all on the same page then you know you go through and as a as a spokesman for the conference it's hard to imagine him being any worse at it than he was this year I mean even if they're not
0: all on board that's the thing though Jim Delaney was not a perfect commissioner He, he made mistakes he did dumb stuff but one thing that he was brilliant at was creating the impression of unanimity, right? Amongst this gigantic organization of some of the largest universities in the country, athletic departments, presidents, all that. The Big Ten operated in concert. He made it seem like everybody was in agreement on every decision that was made, right? He was really good at that. And you can't, in a time like this, you cannot be projecting doubt You cannot be projecting confusion. You cannot be projecting a lack of a plan. And all of these things are what people were seeing when they saw the Big Ten, right, over the past five, six, seven, eight months. They did not see a conference with clear leadership, with a clear plan, or with any kind of consensus. And that's literally what his job is.
1: I mean, I've seen... I've seen monkey poo flinging at the zoo that was more organized, yeah, than the, than the Big Ten was.
0: It's okay if the athletic department and the presidents don't all agree, but that's behind closed doors, yeah, right? Absolutely. Publicly, you have to project an image of consistency and human, human unanimity, and that is not what buy-in. You're, he buy was in.
1: You're talking about buy-in. You know, you've got to have buy-in right. from the stakeholders, even if they don't agree. Right. Even if they don't agree, you've you've got to have that buy-in, and and you you get Nebraska. Uh, you get Ohio State, you get Penn State to to say, you know what, this is what's in the best interest of the kids, B- because right. it was not in the financial best interest of anyone. No, to not play football, but you could, but you could make the argument and take the moral high ground, and that's what they tried to do, but they couldn't sell it to anybody.
0: Yeah, if, well, that's the thing, they, though. If you they couldn't do that if you can't do that as a conference because you have several key participants, key. Uh- factors not agreeing to that then you better come up with a different plan that everybody can get on board with
1: I'll, I'll take this a step further and say you know what else you needed to do before you roll out this half-assed half-baked plan you needed to make sure that your counterparts at the southeastern conference uh at the acc at the pac-12 i, I mean obviously they had what they thought was in accord with the pac-12 right. and then they you know and then they reneged on it when they realized oh wait no one else is doing this you know, you needed to have been on the same page with the Big 12 and the ACC and, and, you know, all of now, to some extent, I will say this underscores the need for what, what some people have called a commissioner of the power five conference, you know, the commissioner of, you know, playoff caliber football. And, and, and I think there's something to, to that because clearly it's not the NCAA college football tells the NCAA what's going to happen. And the oh, NCAA yeah. gets in yeah, line, you, you know, there needs to be some sort of unifying body for times like this, Where because pitting the five conferences against one another isn't in anybody's best interest, you know, or or letting you know the SEC and the ACC just kind of do whatever they want with impunity. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, we saw this with some of the scandals, right? Like Jim Tressel gets run out of town on a rail for the most nonsensical "quote unquote" scandal in the history of man, and and then you know you have programs like Miami and North Carolina just telling the NCAA to go stuff it because they don't have subpoena power. Uh, and, and they've gotten away with far worse and, you know, academic scandals and and the like far worse Yeah, because Ohio state played by the rules instead of saying, eh, you can't do that to us, piss off. Right. Uh, you know, that, that to me, this is, this is where this all comes back to. Maybe there needs to be a different way of governing this tier of the sport since, the landed gentry here are just sort of doing their their own thing but yeah back to Kevin Warren huge embarrassing failure do not pass go do not collect $200 you know to me uh dude's already on the hot seat as far as I'm concerned and he gets zero credit whatsoever for Ohio State being Ohio State
0: yeah (laughs) yeah I yeah I 100% agree with that Ohio State would be in the uh I think college football playoff regardless. And and as you said, it's it's
1: not really we could put Weird Al in charge of the Big Ten and yeah. Ohio State could have gotten into the playoffs. I'd
0: love it? Weird Al. Unfortunately, Weird Al is a California dude, so he would be he'd probably be in the pac twelve. But not gonna regardless, I wouldn't mind it. Um, so thank you for sending those questions in. Really appreciate it. Appreciate you listening to the dubcast. And hopefully we can come back next time and crowing about an improbable Ohio State victory over uh the the good old boys from from clemson who are just you know forces of evil
1: the forces of evil
0: (laughs) just a bunch of scrappy kids trying their best led by a coach who's just really humble and does things the right way
1: little Um, old clemson
0: poor old clemson so hopefully they lose to the evil empire that is ohio state and ryan day (laughs) and uh we'll be back next week to talk about it so until then i'm johnny i'm andy and we'll see you then